Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm the lovely co-host of the Arrow Video Podcast, which I make with the lovely Dan Martin. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, seamless. And we're here to talk about the incredible, incredible but true, which is kind of Dan's choice for this fortnight, right, Dan? I mean, you, you talked about watching yeah. it and loving it, so right, this is yours. Why don't you give a little bit of background on Mr. Dupo? Dupo. <laughs> How do you say it? I'm going to re-edit this. Dupo. Dan. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I may still be wrong. Every time I see Karim Hussain... Uh, he mocks me for my pronunciation of his director's name, I'm, I'm kind of... uh, and he tries to school me. And every time, I, I lightly forget. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Quentin Dupur, I believe. Quentin um... Dupur, who some people might know better <laughs> by his other name, which is uh, easier to pronounce, Mister Ozo. I think it's Wazo. <laughs> <laughs> I've always certainly, I've certainly always known it as Wazo. And I, we promise I... to be more professional next time. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, glad we spent all that time discussing pronunciations <laughs> ahead of time. Um, I, I feel like you know this, but, uh, but Flat Eric uh, used to be in the lobby of the building I worked in. Yeah, so, so those of you who, who don't know much about uh, Mr. Dupur. He's a French uh, nouveau surrealist director with a, an absolutely fantastic music career going alongside both as a as a musician and as a producer. He's part of sort of the French like sort of new house electro kind of wave and has worked with just all of the royalty of uh, of that sort of area of music. But he, I was first aware of him not as a director. As a as a musician, when his single "Flatbeat" from his EP "Analog Worm Attack" was released in, I'm going to say the late '90s, it was used on a Levi's commercial in the UK, which is how he got like sort of known over here. And the the main character, or one of the two main characters uh, for these commercials, was a character called Flat Eric, who I always thought was a cat, but apparently is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's a yellow hand puppet made by Henson's, designed by Dupur himself, in a series of just fucking weird adverts with this amazing, like quite minimalist house track playing over the top that was Dupur's music under his musical title, uh, Mr. Wazo. Um, and so when I started to work at Henson's and they had Flat Eric, the original Flat Eric, in a, or one of the original Flat Erics, presumably there were multiples, um, in a glass case in their lobby. I was as excited by that as I was by the giant Skeksis in the next uh, next cabinet over. I always really liked him as a as a puppet. He's a very emotive uh, uh, hand puppet. He's got you know it's Henson's. It's a very muppety energy to him. And so I missed his first feature and his pre first feature kind of like mini feature. And like a lot of people, I first became aware of him as a director when he released his first, like his first sort of international success, Rubber. Which did you and I watch Rubber together, Sam? Yeah, we did. I believe yeah, it was at just Fright a... Fest. See, I don't know if I did see it at Fright Fest. I think I saw it 
in the house because Jen had seen it at South by and had come back with a poster of it for me and was like you will love this film this film was made for you and I feel like I I got someone to send me a screener of it I thought we watched it at the house but maybe we saw it it did play at Fright Fest didn't it it did yeah I mean I I think um you and I watched it together in the house but I think I saw it for the first time at Fright Fest because I think it was there Uh, maybe I'm yeah I think it was at Glasgow Fright Fest in 2010 maybe okay so yeah I've never been to a Glasgow Fright Fest so maybe yeah. that's it maybe I missed the Fright Fest screening but I saw it on a screen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. House. that's right um and then we also we've watched obviously Steak together which uh we'll probably talk about a little bit more but also Wrong Cops as well we watched that um at the house yeah, yeah. I mean well so not, not to get too far ahead but I've done a full rundown of his entire cinematic career in place of my watch recently <laughs> Amazing. Did you watch? Because, um, yeah. So go on. Carry on. Well, so I've seen. I've I've rewatched everything except Smoking Causes Coughing, which I've not been able to get hold of. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. I have seen everything except for Reality. Oh, Reality is amazing. In fact, I met Quentin and his uh, producer at the premiere of Reality, and there was a brief period of time where it looked like I might get to work with them. It has not come to fruition, much <sighs> to my upset. Let's talk about his his movies as a whole. And yes, what you just said, that you hope for the opportunity to work for him. That is a very realistic dream because his films often have some sort of element of practical effects, right? Yeah, it's always it's it's always quite like I've I've always really enjoyed how almost like throwaway or by the by the practical effects are in his work. There's there's a there's a fantastic moment in Deerskin from 2019 where a man finds himself in a room with the body of someone who has shot themselves in the head and it's the the film goes places later (laughs) but at this point it's a very like sort of minimalist sedate picture and it's quite weird to have this body with it's just a whole fucking face gone (laughs) <laughs> just like really casually in the background i think it only features in like two shots three shots in the whole sequence mm. but he's always been quite yeah like quite rubber being the big exception of course because rubber relies so heavily on special effects but yeah i feel he's always just had them be part of the world rather than be a, a point of focus and that has really like has really sat well with me as far as the the surreality of his pictures because he presents this mundane version of an insane world yeah absolutely and sometimes that's because the world itself is constructed in a way the world building is constructed in a way to support these weird uh, elements like for example steak but then you've got stuff like mandibles where it's more the character's perception that makes things that should be extraordinary more ordinary. I think that one feels more of uh, like a classic American double act movie like Wayne's World or Bill and Ted or uh, Dumb and Dumber, something like that. Yeah, me too. It's amazing. This this week was my first watch and I, I really enjoyed it. Actually, to take it back to Incredible But True, that feels like one of the main themes of this film, letting nature take its course. And actually, the danger of, of resisting that. In the danger of resisting that, exactly, exactly. And so, incredible but true, I think some people see it as more of a throwaway film in his overall oeuvre. Really? Yeah. And I think, yeah, Eleanor Lazic describes it as a pandemic film 
like a very pandemic-y film where it's uh, only a few characters and they're in the house or just outside of it. But actually, I do dis- I agree with a lot of what Lazic says on, on that um, that extra, but I really d- fundamentally disagree with that. This doesn't feel like a limited pandemic film. It actually no, goes. I didn't think that at all. No, I don't think that at all either. And I think this is a masterpiece in the true sense of the word. Like it feels like a culmination of a lot of stuff that he's been doing, and it's actually kind of a more grown up. Not that there's anything wrong with his other films having adolescent humor and all the rest of it but this feels like a, a more reflective piece that is saying a lot of the things that he's talked about in the past in a very kind of clear way how do you feel about that having just watched all of them where does incredible <laughs> but true fit into the overall picture for you it's i mean it's in my it's in the top half certainly yeah. it's i would say it's one of his most accessible films mm-hmm. for people that aren't like aren't enthusiasts or aren't uh, you know diehard fans someone who's just coming to his work it's it's got a surreal conceit Mm -hmm. but the film itself facades or masks much more uh convincingly as a as a mainstream film which i thought was very interesting because it's one of the only films in which he visually uh sort of like references the history of surrealism Mm mm-hmm there's stuff in this film that sort of acknowledges the forefathers of, of surrealism and Dadaism yeah. in a way that he hasn't done previously in his work, which is interesting because it is ostensibly one of the less surreal or less weird of his movies. Like, there is a central conceit that in and of itself is weird. And, like, what is you know ostensibly it's a sci-fi but he doesn't bother explaining it and the reason he doesn't bother explaining it is because it fits in the with the tenets of his no reason mythos which is i guess something we'll probably talk about in a little bit more length in a minute but it's yeah like it's full of normal characters making normal decisions or or at least semi-sympathetic decisions in the face of very unusual circumstances whereas a lot of his other films are characters are, are populated with characters who make completely unfathomable decisions in the when faced with both normal and abnormal situations. What have you noticed in your epic marathon? Is there anything that kind of reoccurs for you that is reflected in Incredible but True, or is there any way well, that that film is unique in the the canon? It's it's in it's in the minority in that it is it doesn't deal with maybe maybe it's not the minority maybe it's just the thing that stands out like he plays he he deals a lot with people who are making films mm. or the or the business of film mm-hmm. so like uh, non-film the sort of mini feature he did before stake is about a guy who wakes up during the production of a movie and and is then sort of like hoisted into it uh, i don't think rubber has any don't think rubber has any filming in it there's some there's a little bit of filming stuff in wrong uh, nothing in wrong cops reality is about a director who has a, a like a deadline to find the world's best uh like suffering foley uh and if he can't then his movie won't get funded uh a post or keep an eye out uh isn't film related deer skin is about a guy that sort of pretends to be a director because he doesn't know what to say <laughs> when he's caught out being unemployed and says he's a director and then kind of like falls into being a director you know what no the minority is the ones that 
other ones that are about filmmaking it just feels like a theme <laughs> well, so incredible but true is in the majority in that it's not about being a filmmaker i'd say it's one of the films he's made in which there is a point being made or at least that the point being made is visible to a first-time watcher like without going into too much about it incredible but true is very much about age growing old the passing of time and the fool's errand that is pushing back against that that mm-hmm. is trying to trying to halt that in one way or another and there are two different narrative threads from from two different sets of characters who are standing in the face of the passage of time in different ways and the film very much examines about how how that goes for them well let's let's go into the spoiler zone a little bit here so this is your warning precious arrowheads like skip ahead i'd say two minutes maybe because shay made a really excellent point and i'm gonna go into the spoiler zone now here it goes shay hasn't seen steak which obviously is at least partly about plastic surgery and and uh, facelifts and all that kind of business and shay's interpretation of incredible but true was that it was about plastic surgery about people who enhance their bodies with tech or ai and i think a lot of it like this idea that oh, I still, I look beautiful on the outside, but I'm still rotting from within. I think that is more about plastic surgery. I think that's a really kind of great observation. And it seems to be something that that he's interested in. And the other thing that I think will tickle you, Dan, is as soon as the music started playing and the score to this film is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But the first album that Shay thought of and actually paused the film to play a section of it to me was Plantasia. Are you aware of this? Uh... Yeah, the Mort Garson album. Exactly. Amazing. I, I, yeah, I knew that would tickle you. Shay says that Plantasia is all about plant life and nurturing growth, and it's almost like the movie wants the characters to age. Do you not want to know a fun, fun fact about Plantasia, Sam? Of course, always. The first release of Plantasia was as a flexi disc given away for free on the front. Uh, cover of a horticultural magazine the album was very specifically written to be played to plants the album is a concept album of music written for plants to help them grow that is wonderful and that kind of yeah i mean that certainly ties in visually with some of the stuff that happens at the third in the third act without you know spoiling anything but yeah it's just very very clear theme you know nature the nature of time what happens when you upset the natural order of things and that message is delivered over and over again in the characters and the situation in the visual imagery so i think it's just a wonderful wonderful film that knows what it wants to say and says it beautifully yeah absolutely i i I wholeheartedly agree i I would say the other thing about plantasia is that until now i've only ever heard one other person reference that album i don't know of anyone else who knows it the only other person who i've ever come across who's talked about it or maybe even played it is a a french uh, special effects artist who works for me occasionally called angela coffee Mm. who grew up in france and and so i am led to believe that maybe it is like 
through this very, very small sample size, that it's better known in France than it is in England. Shay is an American and she knows it, but then Shay is kind of a, a slightly extraordinary case because... She's worldly. She is one of those rare people like you, Dan, and I think like me to a certain extent, who is as passionate and knowledgeable about music as they are about film. Shay used to be in... Uh, a punk rock band she's worked at various record stores so she has an insane knowledge when it comes to to music and movies so yeah and as soon as she played it to me i was like holy shit that is clearly clearly a direct influence on this music it it could be taken from that album quite incredible so there's a recommendation for you precious arrowhead uh if you love incredible but true listen to plantasia uh whether in england the us or france the uh, the whole album is available on YouTube, <laughs> and I think also on on like Apple Music as well. It's it's the it's the album I listen to to go to sleep when I'm away from home. Oh, oh, that's beautiful. What other thoughts do you have about Incredible but True? Like without going into into like back into spoiler territory, mm. like it's a very accomplished film. It feels very smooth and mm-hmm. studio. I feel it it belies its value to say that it it's a it's a pandemic movie because i think it's it's lean certainly but it's lean because it doesn't need to be anything else and there are scenes in japan for example where the cast expands as needed Uh, it never feels like it's not working with what it needs to tell its story and i and i liked the sort of pared back aesthetic of it because there is this this central narrative pillar that is so almost absurd like on the edge of absurd Mm. that it would be very easy in in another director's hands to become like a moment of spectacle but i think that the restraint that Dupur shows around that event serves the narrative because it is about the mundane Mm. it's there's this there's this the and this is not necessarily something that the film is actively dealing with, but it's just something that exists in my head. <laughs> but there's this, like, there's the perceived reality. There's the things that we want, the sort of the romantic version. I don't mean, like, love romantic. I mean, like, the idealised version mm-hmm. of, of the world that we want. And that fantasy, that vision, always ignores the mundane. It always ignores the the preparation and the cleanup and the reality and the mundanity that exist around all of those perfect moments. We all want that like Hollywood sunset moment, but we forget that in real life there's fucking driving there and getting home and you know washing up after the picnic or you know whatever it is, all this stuff. And one of the things that I really love about this film, and they deal with it a little bit in reality as well, is the idea that there are these moments that you that you desperately want, but they're just surrounded by this achingly mundane real world stuff. And I think what I love about this, well, one of the things that I love about this movie is the idea that it should be counterintuitive, but this idea... Like, let's say a, a modern Hollywood blockbuster, you have the, the call to action, the call to adventure, and the longer you refuse the call to adventure, the more you get punished in, until you actually have to go and, and go out, have this adventure, and you come back to, to the ordinary world forever changed and... You know, the ordinary world is suddenly kind of it's either boring because you're you're too exciting for it or whatever exciting thing that you've brought to the table has changed the ordinary world and made it more interesting. Right. Whereas this is a film in which you are rewarded for resisting the call to adventure. And again, this isn't too much of a spoiler, I don't think. But this idea that's 
examine throughout the movie that actually the status quo and natural change is something that's in place for a reason and that you know enjoying your life is the answer as opposed to doing all of these like crazy things to try and cheat the life that we have or the world that we're in and so yeah i i just find it a real it's like a comfort film for me i find this a very very comforting and exciting and beautifully put together movie and you know the other thing the other thing that i love about it dan like so many of his films and this is one of the reasons you've been able to do your marathon i think it's under 90 minutes long yeah they're all they're like his first film was 40 minutes and he's barely grown from <laughs> but films yeah, don't they, they tend to top out at about 80 75 80 minutes it, uh, which is perfect wonderful please more filmmakers do it this way yeah no i think it is one of his more accessible pictures i mean that yeah. or rubber like rubber's rubber's the one that kind of blew the doors off but it's it, it is weird <laughs> yeah i th- i think going incredible but true then rubber then maybe mandibles rubber and mandibles are the two that have had the greatest commercial success outside of france Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I, uh, both released by Magnolia, who have picked up Smoking Causes Coughing. So, you know, evidently they feel that they've got another one of those on their hands. I think probably the best way to do it is to warn you against the ones that aren't the best place to start. And then other than that, you're fine. I would probably avoid Lookout, Apost, uh, and maybe Wrong. But otherwise, it, it, just fucking get stuck in. <laughs> Ron Cops was always one of those ones. Cause he did a short film called Ron Cops Chapter One yeah. for Ron Cops. It felt like after the, the heady success of Rubber and the comparative lack of success of Wrong, that he was kind of claiming back his his art mm. with Ron Cops. I really enjoyed it. It goes a little bit more aggressively weird. Mm. than wrong which is a surrealist film but is is sort of a almost it's quite a slow portmanteau kind of film one of one of the things and this won't matter to a lot of people one of the things i love about wrong cops uh is that it reunites him with eric jador uh mm-hmm. from eric and ramsey who's uh from stake so it's like a, a nice return so i think after wrong didn't do as as well as he'd hoped He's, he went back to what he knew and was comfortable with. And I, I really like Ron Cops for that reason. But yeah, I think you're right. Maybe that's not a great first watch either. Rubber was the first one where he directed, wrote, shot, edited. But then for Wrong, he didn't actually shoot it. Um, and so that's the only one aside from Stake that he hasn't shot himself. So, Interesting. yeah, I wonder if that was part of the mix that, that didn't quite work as well um, with Wrong wrong is probably my least favorite as well so but other than that you're pretty safe though i haven't seen reality yet so that's next on my list oh, it's great you'll love it and it's got eric wareheim in it oh fantastic. feels like a match made in heaven like i'm <laughs> yeah. very surprised he's not been much more present in Defer's stuff post uh, reality yeah very interesting all right well uh let's move on to recommendations based on the film unless you've got anything else to say about this film or the marathon that you did no, no. I mean, it was great. Do that. I would say, so let's just go, let, let's go through them and talk about wh- whether they're available. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so non-film is available on Depur's uh, Vimeo with English subtitles. There is a French DVD of Steak without English subs, but there are fan subs floating around online. Rubber has an American Blu-ray. Wrong has an Amer- and an English Blu-ray. Wrong has an American Blu-ray, probably an English one as well. Wrong Cops I have on Blu-ray from the States. Uh, reality, I don't know. I'm assuming you can get a hold of it. I haven't. Uh, that's not one I rewatched in this most recent um chunk so i haven't uh, i don't have a physical copy of that i think uh keep an eye out is is that streaming in the uk but you can't i have a i have a screener of that that i was sent because i was getting very frustrated not being able to watch it when it was first out that i kept hold of <laughs> disc and you can get mandibles you can get incredible you can but true obviously is on arrow player and arrow disc uh hopefully smoking causes coughing will be coming out in the states in the near future as well if i've missed any out or if I've said any aren't available that are available and our listeners know about them, please uh, let us know. I'll, I'll retweet stuff or, yeah. I, I want all of his films. I want a lovely big box set of everything. Let's move on to recommendations based on the film. I will go first. Now, Jipo has said that Groundhog Day was an influence on Incredible But True. It's one of his favourite films. And in many ways, this is the anti-Groundhog Day because for me, as I said, it's a film about living your life as it's meant to be lived, not using cheat codes to get ahead. But Groundhog Day is a stone-cold masterpiece that we haven't recommended in the six years we've been doing this show. So I'm going to recommend Groundhog Day. And that's all I have to say about that, because you don't need me to tell you about the plot of Groundhog Day. It's (laughs) universal. Everybody knows that film. So uh, yeah, if you haven't watched it, you're in for a treat. If you have watched it, then why not watch it again? And again and again. All right, Dan. What is uh, first from you based on Incredible but True? So I'm going to re- I'm going to go from one you'll surprise we haven't recommended before to one we have recommended before. Oh. Um, but it's a film that we recommended after I stumbled across it, and it was a, uh, a scene in the last week recommendation from me when I was in Toronto in 2019. Um, I went to the Bell Lighthouse uh, and saw a matinee screening when we were shooting nights, and got whisked away into the wonderful like beautiful slightly surreal world uh of began's uh long day's journey into night mm-hmm. uh and i know you love a short film sam so this comes in as a snippy two hours and 18 minutes <laughs> um uh it follows a young man who returns to his hometown uh, and while there, he looks up a uh, a, a previous paramour, um, and w- is having trouble differentiating between reality and dreams. And those lines get increasingly blurred as the movie goes on. Um, it's an absolutely incredible dreamlike movie. The second half of this two-hour and eighteen-minute movie is all one shot. And from the moment that the character leaves a cinema and goes through a tunnel um, and we enter the single shot phase of the movie, it is also, or at least when I saw it, is in 3D as well. So it's got this very weird sort of like break in the middle of the film where it turns from one movie into another. Um, It's absolutely fantastic. It plays a lot with dream logic and and what is and isn't uh, like real for the characters that are happening but it also plays with uh like suddenly finding the ability to walk from one place and time to another which 
for reasons we won't go into too greatly, ties it, uh, not, other than just the surrealism, to uh, Incredible But True. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, great recommendation. Yeah, we're going to move from a film we've never recommended before to a film we have recommended before to a film we've talked about before in a whole episode um, because I'm going to recommend being John Malkovich. I can't not. It's uh, another film in which someone goes through a crawl space and and comes out the other side into a, a different kind of reality. And I think that Quentin Dupuis is on the same level as someone like Charlie Kaufman. And for whatever reason, Charlie Kaufman is a household name amongst cineasts, whereas I I don't think Quentin is. Like, I think people know Rubber, but I don't know if enough people have seen his other work to uh, give him the reputation that he deserves. He's like one of the greatest filmmakers working today but you don't really hear people talking about him so i'm using being john malkovich as a comparison point because i really do feel like he deserves to break into the mainstream in the same way that uh kaufman did uh with that movie and and other stuff he did dan what else have you got i had uh john malkovich on my long list but i'm just going to recommend an album for my uh second recommendation uh I don't think it's available in physical format anymore. There's there's an old out-of-print CD you can pick up, but it's on YouTube for free. I strongly recommend you listen to Black Mass Lucifer by Mort Garson. (laughs) Do you know what, Dan? That Um, was another album that Shay pulled up when we were watching this movie. It's a treat. Yeah. You guys would get on. We need to get you in a room together (laughs) somehow. You really would get on with Shay. But anyway, carry on. Well, that's it. It's uh, I mean, like technically, it's an occult rock album, but it's more of Garson's pretty traditional like Moog synth stuff. I think he did almost all of it on his own. It's yeah, it's absolutely lovely. It's a it's a ten track album. It it exists somewhere between Plantasia and yeah, no, like it, somewhere between Plantasia and and Black Metal. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> very Plantasia. very 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 early Black Metal though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's it's sort of experimental darkness rather than like speed guitar. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Wonderful. All right. Well, let's move on to stuff we've watched in the past couple of weeks. Dan, you are going to go first. Uh what have you been watching? I mean, I've got I've got nothing. I've just <laughs> just been watching. Oh shit. But you know what? That's not true. That's not true. I have watched a couple of other things. I really like this is off the top of my head. I didn't write notes on this, so I don't know who did anything or what years anything are. But I really enjoyed I Like Bats, which is out of the recent uh House of Psychotic Women box set that Severin mm. released. Yeah. That's yeah, that's absolutely great. It's uh, an Eastern European vampire picture about uh, a young woman who is convinced she's a vampire and is committed for it no one believes she's a vampire even though people keep on dying around her and she doesn't show up on (laughs) x-rays amazing i i think that's on shudder as well so uh if anyone wants to check that out that's really great yeah 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 nice one i uh it's on my uh watch list so i'll bump it up First from me this time is uh, a wonderful movie that I watched on the Criterion channel called The Talk of the Town. Dan, have you seen The Talk of the Town? I have not. It's amazing. So it's Cary Grant and Jean Arthur. It's a mixture of screwball comedy and noir with some interesting stuff to say about capitalism, 
justice and like mob mentality it's really really a wonderful picture and uh yeah it's essentially about Cary Grant is a criminal who's sent to prison but then escapes prison and hides out in his high school sweetheart's uh, home that is being rented out to a judge and uh, he has to kind of hide from the judge and she decides to help him out by uh, offering to be uh, an assistant for this judge so she can help hide Cary Grant and antics ensue and a, a kind of love triangle is constructed but you're never quite sure who's in love with who because uh yeah there's some male bonding in this movie um that uh, is very affectionate so yeah it's a wonderful 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 movie talk of the town it's on the criterion channel and uh yeah if you can watch it i just recommend it so much it was a joy one of those movies where i'm just enjoying every single second dan what's next from you so before i was in toronto recently uh i had uh tracy loader my key from infinity pool and possessor stay with me and tracy is an incredibly talented and uh worldly makeup effects artist uh who's been you know she's worked for directors like romero and like she's been around forever she's fucking incredible but uh she's still as you know you know like a lot of the people that you and i know sam we know each other because we share a love of film so when you meet someone through another reason in this instance because we work together because she's a very talented makeup effects artist there's not necessarily that crossover and so she was staying with me and she was like oh we should watch a movie we should watch a movie and you know i don't need to be told twice i was so i chose a film what would you show someone who maybe hasn't seen a lot of italian horror um what would i show probably bird with the crystal plumage because it's um you're right we watched lisa and the devil (laughs) (laughs) oh wow (laughs) so you know why not let's go in the deep end so she said she liked weird she said she liked the 70s aesthetic and the and the like the the scenery and the costumes and the the, the, the sort of technicolorness of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what could be more weird and costumes and scenery than Lisa and the Devil, which fits actually relatively well with the episode as well, because it's a pretty surreal movie. Mm-hmm. I watched the Arrow Blu-ray of it. Excellent. Um, it's yeah, Telly Savalas as a as a, a foot servant, a servant in a European uh, country house where a young woman is uh, ends up while holidaying and slowly uh, played by elk summer and she slowly comes to believe that there's something weird and supernatural going on after she sees people alive after having watched them die and it's beautiful and it's weird and it's one of my favorite barbers yeah it's basically barber via jean roland right with a little yes. bit of yeah exactly jess franco in there yeah, as well um, that's a perfect that's a perfect description a, a, a roland and barber cocktail yeah so um what was the reaction what was the response to this movie like i think she really liked it or she's very good at being polite <laughs> <laughs> well fingers crossed yeah that is it for recommendations if you want more recommendations from me then head on over to vhs quest uh, which is at patreon.com forward slash VHS quest. And uh, I've reviewed all sorts of wild movies recently, including Night of the Demons 2, because we did Night of the Demons on the main show. I thought I'd do one on VHS quest, do the sequel on VHS quest. 
and found lots of similarities between Night of the Demons 2 and From Dusk Till Dawn. If that interests you, then go ahead and subscribe. It's $4 a month for four movies a week, every week, no matter what. So, yeah. Dan, any final words before we go into extra features, extra features, extra features? I have nothing extra features, extra features. Then extra features. We also have no extra features. It is. <laughs> or it isn't because we don't have any and uh, we we may never have any again. <laughs> but I still love this section. Uh, Dan, <laughs> <laughs> how, can, uh, how can people follow you online? I'm at 13fingerfx, both on Twitter and on Instagram been doing a lot more effectsy stuff on instagram recently cool stuff. yeah i mean across yeah, yeah. both really yeah. I'll, yeah i'll try and be more popular across both of them as soon as infinity pool is out in the uk i'll start i'll start sharing some little bits and bobs behind that as well but i'm gonna hold off infinity pool is march the 24th in the uk mm-hmm. for those of you who have been messaging and asking me um and i think that if it, it's around then for a lot of europe as well excellent so you don't you don't have too much longer to wait yeah uh those of you in the states if you haven't been to see it already go check it out we made a bunch of dicks and a bunch of blood so enjoy that (laughs) hey thank you so much for listening and we promise to be more professional next time so much more professional jesus christ (laughs) bye-bye bye-bye